usually we do this in a little room where we know we can <laughs> cut stuff out and change it later. Uh, but we can't do that tonight. Cool. Uh, I don't know why I'm all of a sudden really nervous. It's okay. all right, Brody, you got this. I got my script. Welcome to Can You Not, a show about how two women consume the world and vice versa. I'm Brody. And I'm Kamna, and welcome to our live show, you guys. Um, before I get started, I'd like to take a moment to acknowledge that we are here at the Wheeler Centre, which is on the lands um, of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. And um, we want to acknowledge their elders past and present and any members of the community that might be here today. And we also want to acknowledge that um, that land was and always will be theirs and sovereignty was never ceded. And given tonight, we're going to be talking about culture and storytelling and narrative. Um, we ask the audience to keep in the forefront of their minds the fact that the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, their stories and narratives should be upheld as much as anything that we talk about today. special guest Megan Tan, the creator and host of Millennial. Millennial is a Radiotopia podcast about coming of age and it's based in her closet in Portland, Maine, where she uses the um, box from one of those podcast mattresses as a standing desk. Uh, please welcome Megan. Which is Megan. really the podcast dream. <laughs> Thank you ladies for having me on your show. You're welcome. Welcome to Can You Not? <laughs> um, Megan, so I just awkwardly read your bio from your website, but can you introduce yourself um, and how you define yourself and what you do? So, uh, my name is Megan Tan. I am based in my closet in Portland, Maine. I make a podcast about myself, which <laughs> sounds very millennial and is a little millennial. Uh, and it's called Millennial. <laughs> and uh, and it's a documentary narrative and memoir about what it feels like and means to grow up right now at this moment. Mm. But the show right now is super different to what it was when you first started it. Can you tell us a little bit about like the time that's passed between then and now and how the show has changed? Sure. So in the very beginning, Millennial, I would run around with my recorder and basically record my life and the conversations I was having with my friends and the conversations I was having with my family, mostly because I really wanted to become a radio journalist and I didn't know how to get there. And so because I was too embarrassed to run around saying, hi, I'm Megan Tan. I'm trying to become a radio journalist. Tell me about your life. I decided to look at my own life and document what was happening in real time. And that was the first season of Millennial, which took place over the course of two years. And there was a lot that I could record during mm -hmm. that period. And uh, basically, I always was able to edit kind of three months after things had happened. And eventually, your life catches up with you. And so now, the show can't be about me running around Sydney. Hang on, wait, is there not going to be a Can You Not episode of Millennial? Because, <laughs> like, Brody and There's I were literally... We just assumed you were recording every conversation yeah, that you've I'm ever had with you. Right now. Well, yeah. well, hey, you know, we got microphones in front of 
camera face, right? Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Uh, but basically, you, when your life catches up with you, you can't continue to talk about your life mm. because not that much happens in a very short period of time anymore. Like, my life isn't. Uh, it, it, there, yeah, there just like isn't enough interesting stuff to be talking about all the time. So yeah. now millennial has transitioned into talking about other people's lives and talking to people who are close to me um, and having conversations with other people who are our age and what it means to grow up during this period. Yeah. So um, that evolution obviously is really clear to anyone who's listened to millennial. Um, or even like a bit of the first season compared to what the episodes are that you're producing now. But um, what's consistent is obviously your interest in audio making and in fact that's probably grown throughout the show as two people who um, audio was not our first love, <laughs> but maybe it's our current love. It's like the mode of delivery yeah, a little bit. Um, like, you know, we both are, are writers or the written form is probably the first thing that we were appealed to. What appealed to you about making audio or producing a show through your voice? Hmm. That's a good question. My background is in photojournalism. Yeah. And I would never, <laughs> before making audio, really consider myself to be a writer at all. Yeah. Uh, I'm super visual. And I actually studied dance and photography, which are very two, like, nonverbal things. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that I love about audio, though, is actually how visual it can be. So when you close your eyes and someone's talking to you in a microphone, they can paint a picture of exactly where they are and how they're feeling. Is it without someone saying, here is how I feel and here is what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. So like that was extremely appealing to me. Yeah. I also think that when I was when I'm consuming audio, Oh, especially in the very beginning, like I would just fall in love with people whose faces I would never see and who I would never mm. meet. Uh, and I would think about them like I would be at the grocery store thinking about this guy. Uh, I remember him specifically, Christopher Daniel Gay, and it was from like a Radio Lab episode. Uh, and he was in jail and the whole episode is about like, can he change in order to leave jail and be with his family? And I would be in the grocery store picking out eggs, thinking about, like, gosh, I wonder how Chris is doing. And, like, is he <laughs> with his kid? And, um, and, and so, like, that to me, there was, like, this personal human connection. And I just wanted to be able to create what it is that I loved consuming. Mm. Which I'll quickly, like, fill in that Megan and I actually first saw each other on a street on Sydney on Saturday morning. And... We didn't, like, say hi, but we both kind of knew each other's photos from maybe, like, the Wheeler Centre event, and we kind of just, like, waved at each other. And in my head, I was like, I know what her voice sounds like already. Yeah. <laughs> and I got really excited Does about this that. real, like, I feel like the, peop the fans of people who make podcasts or make audio are, like, so specifically intimate because yeah. there's, like, such an intimacy to, like, putting on your headphones and just having someone, like, in your head. Um, yeah. The funny thing is that I totally forget that everybody knows about my family yeah. and knows about my relationship with my boyfriend. Yeah, like when I met Ben, I was like, hey, Ben. Yeah. <laughs> and Ben's like, I remember hey, that episode when you were a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. Ben, if you're listening, you're lovely. Tough love. <laughs> Tough love. Yeah, I mean, I totally forget that because yeah. when you are making the, when you're making 
like when I'm making millennial, it is just me and that box mm. in the closet. And like that episode as well, kind of like that, like one story that you're telling in that little space of time. Yeah. 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 Um, I wanted to talk about the title a little bit um, because obviously the word millennial is, we're going to say it a lot tonight and I feel like we already have. And I know that the, just the word like s kind of s is like nails on a chalkboard for some people because it has these connotations that like reflect like what people are or aren't supposed to be or where they're at with their lives. You know, all of these, it's like a loaded word. Um, what was the like, were there ideas about like quote unquote, I'm, I, I wrote like four quote marks around the word on my notes. Um, <laughs> were there like ideas about like what millennials are or aren't that you, when you went into this project, you were like, this is something I want to approach or deal with or like reconcile? Uh, I'm gonna or was it self-absorbed? <laughs> well, to be honest, to be completely honest, uh, it, was, it was really like, we had this idea, Ben came home and was like, ah, you should make a podcast about your life. And I was like, hmm, that sounds interesting. And he was like, and you should call it millennial. And I was like, hmm, that sounds interesting. <laughs> so like that totally, <laughs> that totally like de-romanticizes the whole idea that we were like at our desk thinking yeah. about strategically about like, oh man, is this exactly what the name should be? Uh, I think at the time, you know, I, I was trying to figure out what it is that I wanted to do with my life, and it just felt, and I was talking to my friends, mm. who were also in that same space, and it just felt so, like, oh, man, this is so millennial, or, like, so 20s, right? <laughs> and so that's kind of where the name came from, and yeah. the fact that when I started creating the podcast, I didn't expect anyone to listen to it. It wasn't this... Um, you went like, this is going to be the definitive resource on no. every millennial thing ever. Yeah, yeah. no. Which no. is like, <laughs> so yeah, it kind of goes into my next question because I recently saw a retweet on Twitter of this article that was titled, um, Millennials are not eating at Applebee's anymore and it's ruining America. And the retweet was like, baby boomers don't care about us, are ruining the healthcare system and the climate. So, <laughs> and it was just kind of like this idea that... Um, you know, like each generation probably has like a certain concept that's attached to it. But for some reason, like the millennial is like vain, self-absorbed, mm. like ruining America because they're not eating at some fast food chain, like, because it's all our fault. Too busy taking selfies. Yeah, um, <laughs> which like is me, like it's me. I d I <laughs> like at any given point, like I'll have a friend message me being like, oh yeah, I saw you at the tram stop, you were taking a selfie. I was like, hi, at me. Um, <laughs> but like one of the reasons we decided to do our podcast at least maybe retrospectively repainting it that way. But um, that idea that like there's kind of a scarcity of representation of like the millennial voice is something that is being driven by millennials. Like, did you think about that at all when you were making that show about the need to have, um, or maybe even not when you first started making the show, maybe in the recent episodes about the need to represent at all? I think that I think that like what it is that we're going through is really just growing up when you're in your 20s mm. and in your early 30s and like how hard that is for anyone, right? And so I think that a lot of times because we have access to all of these different platforms, we're able to just articulate like <laughs> the growing pains of what we're going through. Mm. And so I think ideally with the podcast hopefully we're talking about universal themes yeah. that go beyond just something that 20-somethings are going through. Like my mom, who's 
she's retired. I love your mum. <laughs> I don't know your mum, but I love her. <laughs> oh, good. Just through listening to the episodes. Yeah, I mean, she, uh, when I started making the first episodes of Millennial, she would call me up and say, like, this isn't a millennial thing. This is a human thing. You know, like, she's <laughs> like, I relate to this. And, uh, and to me, if someone in their 60s who just retired and is also going through a transition in their mm. life can mm. relate to something that I'm talking about, that's the ideal. Mm. To be talking about these universal uh, sticky moments in your life where you feel yourself having to change in this uncomfortable way because that's just a part of growing up. Mm. I want to ask you a little bit about the like making first person narrative. Um, I've mentioned this on the podcast a couple of times, but I wrote a book that is out in two weeks. That's like a memoir <laughs> and it's really, it's Good like weird <laughs> to write about yourself kind of, it's impossible to write about yourself objectively, but writing about yourself in a way that you like identify something that happened to you or that you experienced or that you thought and being like, that's a story and like I can reflect on it. And the idea of like whether you write about it while you're in it or whether you give yourself distance because you have some perspective and like maybe like heightened emotional intelligence or something and can look back on it and have some kind of like realization. Like when you are making, especially that first season of the show that was really personal, um, how much kind of distance were you giving yourself when something happened to you or you thought something and the time between that and releasing the episode about it or even just realizing it was a story that you wanted to follow on the show? So the way the process works, especially in the first season, was that I would literally run around with my recorder and we would be sitting and having coffee and all of a sudden you would say something like, oh man, uh, I just got fired from my job, uh, I'm getting a new one, I don't know how to negotiate salary, and I would be like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> and then I would get out my microphone and then we would just start talking. Yeah. So I was constantly uh, getting audio, mm -hmm. collecting audio. And one of the things that I was thinking about is just these kind of pivotal moments where change would happen in my life or where I would, yeah, where I like had to force myself to kind of go through these transformations and like the, the events that happened over a course of time. And if, if an event, if a series of events happened I would kind of group them together and say like, oh, this could, this is an episode. Mm. Uh, but I wouldn't really know what the episode was about until I kind of started constructing it. Mm. Uh, so, so that's what would happen is like, I would just live my life and then look at what, what were the periods where I had, where I had to force myself to change because I wanted to get to a next step mm. in my life. Mm. Another thing that is really helpful is when I'm making the show, like I really do think of, uh, m we call her Millennial Megan. I was just about to say, do we want to talk about yeah. Millennial Megan yeah. versus Megan so who's sitting here in front of us? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so like Millennial Megan is like a character, um, which is really helpful when you have lots of different people who, including myself, who are like helping edit the show. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and there are points where in the beginning, we're just like, okay, so Millennial Megan's perspective is this, and then she goes to this person who kind of plays as like a mentor figure, mm. and then that makes her think about this, and then she cries too much here, so like, let's take that out, and then, <laughs> and then like, let's move this section around, and then like, what is her realization here? So the whole idea for me in making Millennial was to practice narrative, mm -hmm. right, mm -hmm. and to practice 
um, what happens when you look at a character and what makes them change over time uh, in order to just like hone these storytelling narrative skills. Mm -hmm. And so being able to like look at myself as this like distant character uh, has helped completely. And I think is is good when when you're in like a writer's room mm -hmm. and you're able to kind of kind of look at the product as something that isn't personal. Yeah. And and every single character that comes on takes on like a millennial name. So we'll have you know millennial, millennial ben, ben, right? So so Ben is definitely a character in the show and he plays a certain kind of role which is this tough love. Mm. And he uh, if you look at him as a character, he is like he helps millennial Megan bring out like the strengths like within her own life that he can see, but maybe she can't see. Mm. But in real life, Ben isn't always like that because I was like, people ben, are why more. Why haven't you mentioned your bat rescue on the podcast? Yeah. Yet? <laughs> people are just more complicated yeah. in real life. I feel like you need to give some context. Oh, you can't just mention um, a bat rescue. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, on Saturday night at in Sydney when we were at AudioCraft, the AudioCraft conference. Yeah. Shout out to Audiocraft. Um, Megan was like, oh, I'm trying to get Ben to like come out to the pub with us, but he's at a bat rescue. And I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. What is he this? He found a bat. He ben found a bat. loves animals. Yeah. You also padded baby kangaroos today. Um, but a question kind of like, <laughs> <laughs> just in case people were wondering what was happening with your life. Um, uh, the non-millennial non Megan non life. Yeah. Megan. Yeah. Um, I kind of have a question going from that in that like the way that you describe that process is quite a thoughtful sort of con not constructed but like carefully played out process in terms of like narrative and like figuring out um, where you're placed within a story and stuff. But have there been any like Truman Show moments where you're just like, oh what is real life and what is my <laughs> podcast and what am I doing right now? All the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to tell us some? Um, or do you remember it? From yeah. When I mean, oh gosh, there are tons of moments <laughs> where just like even recently, uh, as we're like really pivoting the show and uh, looking at uh, like every single episode kind of has to open with me. Right. And I think when we're making the episode, we'll, go ahead and maybe we'll, I don't want to say like over, like dramatize mm. thoughts, but kind of over dramatize yeah. thoughts in order to make it feel like a turn, right? Yeah. Mm. Or um, make it feel like a more heightened awareness. Yeah. And, and also for the audience to kind of understand a yeah. little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so there are definitely moments where I have to think about, okay, is that, me or is that mm. millennial Megan? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it, it happens all the time. It's oh. like when the Kardashians have those like constructed meetings where yeah. they like all get together in their house and say like, Chloe's jeans aren't selling well. And then you find <laughs> out that like they actually recorded that scene six months after Chloe's jeans sold really well because they just needed that filler moment before her jeans sold well to have some kind of tension in the story, some kind of stakes. Yeah. It's well, exactly like that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> and it's also just like there are moments. <laughs> Megan's like, yeah, yeah, exactly. You're yeah, Christiana, yeah, yeah. but jeans. you're also. Always, yeah. always thinking about how many um, but also, like, there are moments where when I'm with my, when I'm getting feedback on episodes and people, 
like editors mm. are like, you need to take this nugget and dive really deep into that and extract those feelings and emotions. Mm. And I wouldn't like there are emotions and feelings that would be more subtle in my mm. normal life mm. that I feel like on the podcast you have to really emphasize in order to create those terms mm. so that there's there is like some sort of character change mm. in order for the episode to make in order for the episode to work so but it's not saying that like we we are like I'm taking all of that emotion from nothing like those still come from like real places yeah, yeah. but we're able to say like we need millennial Megan to you know really face what it is that makes her afraid of marriage at this moment yeah. mm. by talking about yada 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 you know like her yeah. parents and thing you know does yeah. it make you like does it change your relationship with yourself like I imagine like listening back on like actual moments in my life and having to like kind of explain them or heighten them mm. does it make you like more sympathetic to yourself or make you like behave differently or see yourself differently so to be honest, when I make when I make episodes for millennial, a lot of times, like right when I'm pushing the publish button, I'm like, oh my god, I can't believe I'm doing this, <laughs> and then I push it, and then it's almost like I shed that skin off. Yeah, right. You know, because yeah. it feels like you have to, yeah, you have to like really confront your life in mm. this way that you just don't usually do unless you're making a kind of memoir podcast or yeah. writing a memoir. I'm sure yeah. you know. Uh, and so in like that put it on a little boat and like send it out exactly yeah. and so I think maybe 20 years from now when I listen to them all again I'll have it I'll maybe I'll have that kind of feeling but but right now it's uh, very recent and kind yeah. Of, yeah and yeah and I'm still in it like we're all still in it still yeah. like we're trying to figure out what it is yeah. we're doing yeah <laughs> Hey, did you hear the words shedding skin and boats on water? Does that give you a good segue to maybe a can you not segment? No. no? <laughs> I'm Sorry. trying to hint you something and you're not getting it. Yeah, I don't know what you're hinting at. Okay, forget it. Sorry. I thought we could do what made you cry. Oh, well. I got that. Megan, <laughs> talk, Megan talked about. Who is about, my co-host here? No, but Megan talked about like millennial Megan cried too much. Oh. But real Megan. Right now. Never cries. I don't cry. So I mean, I haven't cried in a long time, which is kind of scary. Like, do you remember the last time you cried? I do remember the last time I cried. Did something make you cry or was it like frustration built up? No, it was when Trump got elected. Oh. <laughs> Fair. Right? That was yeah. the week we started our podcast. It was, like, very somber. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're like, we need to release an episode about a pop culture show that talks about Dream Kardashian. Yeah. <laughs> People need this. Yeah, wow. That's a long time. Yeah. And a lot's happened since then. I know. We like, potentially worse stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like, not to judge, but... Um. <laughs> So we met up yesterday um, ahead of the show and we were like, Megan, so we're probably going to do a like, what made you cry this week segment? And then Megan was just like, <laughs> nothing. 
Like, you mean this week? And we were like, yeah. Or like, even the last time you cried. And she's just like, when, when's the last time I cried? And we were yeah. like, oh, gosh. We were like, you took up that 14-hour plane over here that's like notoriously emotional. I know. I was like, did you cry whilst you were picking I, what to wear today? I cried watching the movie Suffragette on that flight, which is not a sad movie. <laughs> and I didn't like it. Um. And then the irony is that we're like, maybe like have some me time tonight, like get those tear ducts going. <laughs> like we gave, you, gave you a couple of suggestions and then we saw you tonight and you're like, I still haven't cried. And we were both like, we've cried twice since <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> like literally. We in the cry. last 24 hours. So what yeah. made you cry? What made me cry in the last 24 hours <laughs> was the season finale of, I'm just a cliche of myself at this point, but the season finale of Keeping Up With The Kardashians because it started with Kim Kardashian's robbery at gunpoint in Paris. It was a very emotional season and it just ended kind of semi-abruptly with, but it was an episode where she was taking Chloe to her like fertility doctor who yeah. like told her that she wasn't able to carry more children. Mm. And Chloe was like, I'm gonna get my ovaries checked and see if I can be your surrogate. And that was just like a very emotional time. Um, but also, I kind of, I didn't cry, but I just got frustrated that my prediction didn't come true, which was that this season of Keeping Up With The Kardashians would tackle Kendall's Pepsi commercial oh, yeah. controversy. And I was convinced that it would because Kendall's never in the show. She's always off modeling at Fashion Kendall. Week. But then, did I say Kendall? No, I, I was <laughs> oh. calling it Kendall. But then this season has had extra Kendall in it. So I was like, they've seen the reaction they're trying to put her in as more of a character so we all have sympathy for her so that when she finally comes home and is like, people hate my ad and they're saying that I'm racist, um, that the audience will be like, no, she's not, she's not, she's always around her family, but like they've manufactured <laughs> that. So I didn't cry, but I was just frustrated that my prediction didn't come true. Okay. So wait, was that a double cry? That, okay. was, a, that, that was, was two cries in there, guys. That was just, just, one, it was just one, it was just one cry, but then just frustrated feelings. Yeah. What about you, Connor? Um, Mine's gonna make you sound not deep, maybe. <laughs> That's fine. I mean, I didn't expect to. <laughs> um, I cried this morning in bed because I was reading this like beautiful piece in the New York Times, which um, it's the 50 year anniversary of this uh, Supreme Court case in the US called Loving and Virginia. And it was the Is case- Is they made that movie about last year with Joel Edgerton? Called Loving? Keep talking, maybe. Okay. <laughs> Fact check me at the end. Okay. Um, yeah, and so Loving in Virginia um, is the case that um, said intera interracial marriage was okay in um, or like permitted by law in the US. And so the New York Times had done like a call out to um, all like just people to share their stories of their interracial relationships over the past 50 years. Um, and there was just like, it was so beautiful. There was like probably like 10 to 15 stories of all these couples who were all interracial couples um, over like some had married literally like a month after the de decision, some yeah. had married a month ago um, and were all from really different interracial backgrounds. Like there were sort of like black and white couples. There was um, a black and Sikh couple. There was like a, a Sri Lankan Hindu and white, anyway, there was, lots of combinations of race is what I'm getting at. I'm like trying to remember them List all. List them all, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> and they all sort of talked about, um, most of them were like one person's take on their relationship and like kind of like what 
role race had played in their relationship and their understanding of each other. And I was just like, this is so beautiful. I'm also in an interracial relationship, maybe that's why. And you're also in an interracial relationship. Maybe I should send you the link and see if you cry. <laughs> I'll just like, like a test I'll, like, now. FaceTime with you Like what's like, going to break you? <laughs> also because yesterday she We're was like, like actively <laughs> trying to make, it's kind of sadistic. I would love, I would love a good cry. cry. <laughs> I would love a good cry. Um, yeah, yesterday we were trying to suggest, like, we were like, list of things that make Megan cry. So I even suggested the Cry Babies podcast, which is just all about things that made people cry. That's all the podcast is about. I suggested The Namesake. Have you watched that movie? No. It was like... We looked that up last oh. night. Yeah. Did but we couldn't she tried. No, she no, tried, we, but we she didn't cry. get there. I mean, we couldn't find it. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> on, okay. on all the platforms. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. I did watch the trailer. Okay. Did that make you cry? Not yet. Okay. No, no, Maybe no. if you ask a question Maybe later, you're we immune. can. You're kind of like those people who work with asbestos their whole lives and have just like, what are like asbestos hands and they can like tolerate anything? You have like asbestos tear ducts or something. I don't know how that happens. It's not supposed to. It's not supposed to sound like as much of an insult as it did. Asbestos tear ducts. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> One of my favourite things about Millennial is how you like place and contextualise each episode and obviously it's not real time where you're like right now I'm thinking about blah blah and um, that's why I feel about this like thing but um, what's happening in your life at the moment like what are you consuming? Um, so there's a fun uh, blog there's a good a really great food blog that yeah. I follow uh, it's called Corin Louise and they're yes my friends who make really great food uh, and 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 that's why I get like a lot of my recipes oh when cool. yeah when I'm thinking about really great things to eat and they're beautiful photographers so that's something that I would recommend and then also Radiotopia is going to be launching a new podcast called Ear Hustle which is basically about uh, it's going to be hosted by these two men who are in San Quentin State Prison mm -hmm. and it's basically taking that world and turning it inside out uh, for people to listen to stories that happen like with like within the prison system. They're hosting the podcast from the prison? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. And it has to be checked by one of the guards before it gets released. Oh my uh, gosh. Yeah, yeah. So you're kind of like, huh. Yeah. How is anything getting released? <laughs> He's, yeah, I will, will probably address that on the yeah. podcast. <laughs> yeah, cool. What about you? Um, I am into my friend Jim Laurie just released a new album last week. I saw week. Jim in the audience. Is Jim here? Yeah. Oh, there he is. Hey, Jim. Uh, his album is called Slacker of the Year, and it's really lovely. I spent my weekend making pierogies and listening to it at home, but it made it, I couldn't turn the record over because I had dough on my hands. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm into right now. Um, cool. What about you? What about me? Um... I'm into my friend Leah, who's also in the audience. I spot you. Um, she runs a really cool magazine called Liminal Magazine, and I'm just shouting about it wherever I go because it's a magazine about Asian Australian representation um, here and about the fact that um, I don't know how much TV or pop culture you've been consuming of Australia, but we're white on TV. Um, and so the idea is like, 
to create the representation for Asian Australians that doesn't exist through Asian Australians. Mm. It's really cool. I'll send you the link. And I think in the description of the episode, we can put the interview that Kumna did for oh, Liminal. Oh, yeah, I was on Liminal Lab. Yeah, it was really cute. <laughs> And so that wasn't the end, so don't get up and leave. Because um, we've got questions now. So is if anybody has any. Yeah, there's a mic going around. Slash Put up your hands. if something significant made you emotional this week, we want to hear about it. Oh, oh, we got some. Thoughts on Wonder Woman. <laughs> we, we actually we talked, talked about, about it this. yesterday. Because yeah. it was going to be my What Made Me Cry. Because um, I saw it a few days ago. And I also had thoughts. Yeah, and I, cry, I cried a lot. Um, uh, three times, but, um, I guess that's a lot, but I really loved it. Um, I thought it was like visually beautiful. Um, I never cared about any Chris actor in a superhero movie until I saw it. And I was like, oh, Chris Pine, that's a thing. Um, and it made me sad and, um, it was, yeah, beautiful. I was just like, I couldn't stop thinking about it the whole, like, few days after I saw it and also I'm going to go see it again next week but also but also we I'm need to acknowledge that it's yeah. it's not a perfect like feminist poster to hang on our walls yeah because Brody was like last night I went to watch a movie and she was like you should watch Wonder Woman and I was like no I'm not going to watch Wonder Woman and it was because Gal Gadot the star in it is like um was part of the Israeli army and has like openly spoken about the fact that she thinks like occupying Palestine lines is like a good thing no it's not um mm -hmm. and like a, a few people a few of my friends and a few people that I follow on Twitter and really respect who are Muslims have talked about the fact that a film like Wonder Woman that stars someone who's really vocal about their beliefs and has been vocal about these beliefs in promoting the film is like a white feminist film, not a feminist film yeah. for like all people. So we have thoughts. Good question. Next yeah. question. Oh, do you have thoughts on Wonder Woman? I haven't seen it yet because I've been to Australia oh. working. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> okay. It's playing here. No, I know you're working. <laughs> <laughs> Any other questions? Um, mine's a kind of what made me cry, and I feel really naff saying this, but I started listening to Millennial because you guys recommended it and also because you were coming on the show Megan um, and this morning on my way to work this is a spoiler alert by the way if anyone's listening to it so close your ears I guess <laughs> um, I started getting a little bit teary when I was um, when Millennial got picked up by Radiotopia mm. so just thought that was an apt thing to share mm. thank you that's so nice that's so nice you know what do you want to know what episode of um, Millennial made me cry Sure. Um, <laughs> where you no. <laughs> imagine. <laughs> no. Imagine she's like, no, next. <laughs> um, the episode where you were selling your family home um, quite recently. And Girl, that made me cry making it. I know. So there's, it's so beautiful. Like you, sh yeah. if you haven't listened to the episode, you should listen to the episode. And it's all about, um, you know, Megan having moved away from home um, and your parents having separated in the meantime and then making a decision to sell your family home and um, you go home to like pack up the things and sort of help with that process and I'm like almost crying thinking about it oh gosh I need to get my emotions in check um, but you kind of like interview 
you obviously like talk about how you're feeling about it um having not lived there for like however many years and then you interview your dad and you who's usually quite reserved um and your mum about how she feels about the house that she had this marriage in like being sold and oh my gosh I was so emotional it was a hard episode to make yeah yeah for sure yeah it's so beautiful millennial Megan cries a lot yeah this is like a thing we've learned (laughs) yeah I mean I do cry but I just haven't cried in a long time I don't want you to feel shame about it no I do I do feel like I do want to cry though yeah Yeah. I feel like we've really amped it up I know (laughs) know, you're gonna cry and you'll be like this is not that we're on the street (laughs) we're on the street press team for emotions (laughs) um anybody else I think so Hello. Um, I've been listening to Millennial from the start, and I've, without sounding too creepy, probably thought about you in a supermarket. So, uh, <laughs> mission accomplished in that one. Um, but you, all three of you are amazing, inspiring women, and most of the podcasts I listen to are by men, and mm. I'm kind of sick of that. And I've got lots of male friends who are like, yeah, I've got important things to say. I'm going to make this podcast without thinking twice about uh-huh. it. <laughs> Brody's like, I know so these people. Yeah. 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 And Look, I don't want to say about the quality, but it's shit. Um, and I've got, like, lots of different ideas about things, like stories I would like to tell and thought about podcasting, but there's very much a insecurity about not having a story worth telling or, like, there's already an oversaturation of the market and being insignificant. Like, is there anything, mm. I guess, did you guys kind of experience that at all and any tips to kind of navigate that mm. Brody and I are arrogant so no we didn't think about it <laughs> I mean I feel like because we I mean we when we started we were Kamna and I bonded over the podcast that we both liked and we were like I listened to this like we were recommending stuff to each other but also finding the things that we both liked and we identified that they were all American as well so we did yeah. kind of identify that mm. there was like a little bit of a gap of like kind of a chatty pop culture show like what we listened to um that didn't exist so much here Mm. um and so we definitely kind of identified that absence before we went to make something so I guess that's yeah kind of important like the thing that you know a lot about or are even interested like it's kind of like what Megan's done with millennial it's like um whether you start something because you know a lot about it or you start something because you want to kind of archive your investigation of something and like learning more about it with your audience like that's really nice as well I think the really great thing about podcasting is there's just like a lot of places for people to play right now Mm. you know like Mm. it's it's super experimental uh Mm. and you you should just start it you know just start it and like see what happens and you're gonna get into a routine and like teach yourself things but I think if you start it just for yourself and not necessarily with the intention of like going really big or making mm-hmm. like lots of money because well that's a <laughs> we're getting there we're getting there we're getting there but if you just do it for yourself then it's then that should be enough, right? Also, I'm not sure if you've heard of the famous saying, but, like, live your life with the confidence of a mediocre white male and you'll get places. So <laughs> just do it. Yeah. Just make it. Isn't that for, that's from another round, right? Yeah. Is it I think they, yeah. like, credit it. But yeah. it's okay. Sarah. I don't know how to properly pronounce Sarah's last name. H-A-G-I. H-A-G-I. She's a writer for Vice in Canada. Oh, yes, She's Sarah. a legend. Yeah. yeah. Um... Yeah. Also, it's not, like, expensive or intimidating to start. Like, Kamna and I literally did an episode once where we recorded voice memos on our phone and texted them back and forth. Like, that's 
uh, and then you can just like bump up the audio a little bit or something. I don't know. Like yeah. you can just like make it work with what you have, if you have an iPhone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who is not um, sponsoring this right now? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if they want to, though, we'll yeah. take it. Shout out um, to Apple. <laughs> yeah. Was there another question in the middle there? And I think this might be the last one or two more. Two more. Um, just kind of launching off the last question. I just started my own podcast this year. Um, and I also noticed, like, the space is pretty much full of men. I'm doing mine at my uni and a lot of the, like, editors of the radio station are men and, like, most of the presenters are men. Um, I was just wondering in terms of getting your name out there and uh, getting media traction for your show, have you found many barriers or, like, to growing the show? Because that's kind of the stage I'm getting to now of, like, I've got some content and it's kind of putting it forward. Um, mm -hmm. Have you found barriers and are those barriers gendered? Megan, do you want to take, take that one? I mean, the way Millennial started getting recognition was, it, it, it's actually recorded in one of the episodes where mm. we were sitting on the couch with some friends uh, and we, all of a sudden it was on iTunes and under new and noteworthy and then we started Googling it and then we found that someone had reviewed it in the Guardian. Mm. And so that was that was kind of like the first re like piece of recognition. And I would almost say that there are less gatekeepers because uh, because podcasting is so public, you know. And so if you're making mm. a product that is competitive and mm. can compete and is something that you really like, then that that should help. And podcasting kind of is like, this is something that was spoken about at the Audio Craft Conference in that like a lot of, pe a lot of people who are creating podcasts outside like of a media organisation um, are doing so because they don't then need to have that experience mediated by a gatekeeper of the media uh -huh. organisation. So it is kind yeah. of like the radio of the people, I don't know. Yeah. Having said that, if you do want kind of more visibility through those kind of like gatekeeper led <laughs> through the gates um <laughs> they're like um if you have an angle or a peg or something newsworthy in your show or some kind of angle that suits like a specific publication that you like or that you would love to see it featured in like every website and magazine needs content and so um if you learn how to write a press release like that can be really helpful and you can find out how to do that on the internet to like get your product you can kind of frame it as like a new piece of something that like this magazine will want to write about. And you can say like, you can contact, you put your name in there and write it as if you're somebody else. You can be like, you know, email X for an interview and it, it can, you can like set up a fake email or something, pretend you to be your own publicist, like, and make it seem like a bigger thing than it is because podcast metrics are like so vague and mm. so like cloudy and mysterious that like nobody's going to be like no this does only has this many plays like literally nobody knows that stuff yeah. <laughs> we didn't even know it about our podcast yeah. until like five episodes in we pretty like can did you know we can see how many people are yeah. listening <laughs> and then we were like oh thank god we didn't know this at right at the start thanks for giving us a stage we're professional <laughs> 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 um, um, thing, uh, something's flashing at us, but we have. Yeah, but was there one more question right at the front? I feel like we should give a shout out to this questioner because I think she may be the second member of our fan club. We only have two members True. in our fan club. Yeah. 
That's Aubrey, true. G, what's Bridget up? Kelly. Thank you so much. Um, I text you after every episode being like, well done, great again. <laughs> um, I was just um, wondering about, I guess something that seems significantly millennial but might not be is like because um, of the internet, our personal lives and our professional lives are kind of blurred and you kind of don't have this distinction that we maybe once had between the things that happen in our personal life and what you use for your work. Um, is that something you guys think about or in terms of using your own stories in your work, is that something you find intimidating or how do you overcome that feeling of like this is my professional life but I'm sharing all these personal, personal things in a really public way? Um, Megan was actually like the keynote at AudioCraft was Megan and another podcaster, Sophie Harper. Harper. Sophie, Sophie, <laughs> Sophie Harper, who makes this incredible podcast called Not By Accident, which is all about her as a single woman in her 40s deciding to have a baby. Um, and the session was called Pod Life Balance. And it was all about like sharing your personal story through your professional creation, which is the podcast. So do you want to? I mean, I think that a lot of really rich stories always come from a personal space. And even at AudioCraft, uh, there were all of these journalists who were up on stage mm. during one section, and two of the three had extracted stories from their personal life where they were able to receive awards from them. Yeah. And so I feel like, um, you know, when we're talking about stories that really speak to people, in a space where there's lots of noise, right, and a lot of fakeness in the world, that uh, being able to extract from your personal life, uh, sure, there are boundaries in terms of what you want to publicly put out there, and I guess you're the only one who can figure out where that filter is. Uh, but I know for me, being able, like, ironically, I'm a very private person, <laughs> uh, but being able to put a lot of my personal life out for the public has also allowed other people to, to be very personal about their lives to me. Mm. And I feel like in this space where um, you just want that kind of like human interaction, mm -hmm. then like if that's what people are craving for, then then that's what that's what people are craving for. Yeah. yeah. It can be really tricky when like your life is also your work. Like it can be totally like draining and exhausting as well. Yeah, girl. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I think it's always important to do like stuff that is not about you. Like to right. kind of like recharge as well. Like because otherwise you kind of get in this space where it's I imagine where it's like oh, I didn't do anything or think or feel anything special, like my work is going to suffer or I don't have anything to offer or something like that. And that is like an awful place to be or feel. Um, and that idea that like your actual legitimate, like real self is more important than like the work you make about it for the benefit of other people. Like I think that's important to remember as well for like just self-care. Self-care. Yeah. So the balance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The like work pod, life pod balance. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a really beautiful note to finish our mm. beautiful show Maybe on. we'll put these cute questions in the yeah, show. Yeah, maybe you guys are cute enough. That'll be a surprise. <laughs> um, thanks, everyone, for coming. Yeah, thank you for coming. And thank you, Megan. Yeah, thank so you much. guys for having me.
This live episode of Can You Know It was recorded at the Wheeler Centre in Melbourne with support from Audiocraft. Thanks to the Wheeler Centre for having us and thank you to everybody for coming. Um, and thank you to our guest, Megan Tan. I said your name wrong. Megan, Megan Tan. Tan. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's because I was reading it, not just thinking it. Um, you can listen to all the episodes of Millennial at millennialpodcast.org and follow Millennial Podcast on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You can also follow us at Can You Not Podcast on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter to keep up to date on when the show is coming back for season two. Kumna is on Twitter at KumnaMM and on Instagram at HipHopYogi and I am on both at Brody Lancaster. Um, and we haven't plugged it in a while, but if you leave us a nice rating and review on iTunes, that would be really nice. And we maybe we'll get mattresses. Yeah, maybe we'll get like free mattresses yeah. and we can use the boxes as our standing desks. Who knows? Yeah. I already have one, but you could always use another mattress, I guess. Um, <laughs> I don't, but maybe. Um, and like iTunes ratings, we don't really understand it. It seems like a really like mystifying system, but um, they seem to do something, um, but we don't really know what, but we want, we want them. Um, <laughs> So millennial our, of you. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but I want it. Um, <laughs> our theme music is by Beck Rigby and Henry Madden from The Harpoons. <laughs>